All right, now it's time for Tom's film reviews, or if you're American, or me, movie reviews. Because you're going to. I've with... started getting to, into the habit of saying movie slightly more now because Mark Kermode says it, so I feel a bit better now. Yes, good, good. Never wrong with the word movie. Now theatre, that's not a word. It's cinema. No, it's always cinema. Yeah. Um, anyway, Tom is going to uh, be reviewing the re. The film ad- adaptation of the graphic novel Watchmen. I'm also going to be reviewing uh, the brilliant 28 Days and 28 Weeks Later films. So, Tom, if you'd like to take it away, I'll go. Uh, I'll go for Watchmen first. It's the um, it's the real big thing this month. The real big release. Um, people have been waiting 20 years for this adaptation. And all in all, it's actually very good. Um, what a lot of people are saying, it's it's not necessarily the decisions I would have made, but in the hands of almost any other director and any other writer, it would have been worse, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you get a graphic novel with that much depth and that much stuff, there's bound to be a bit that's lost in translation or slightly confused, and... In that sense, I think they could have done it slightly better by um, introducing a Kill Bill or Che style, or you know Harry Potter Seven style thing, where they release two films quite near to each other and treat it as one. So Watchmen Part One and Watchmen Part Two, yeah, both maybe two-hour films, mm. and you've got then four hours to tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. And because that's what a lot, of, a lot of my friends who hadn't, it's pretty much universally the um, people who have read the graphic novel very much enjoyed Watchmen as the, the film and the people who hadn't read it it was slightly they didn't really grasp it yeah and um, it's it's unfortunate that it should happen because it is such an amazing story and the problem is now that now that they've now that people who haven't read the story have seen the film and they haven't quite got it they're not going to be compelled to read the book mm because of the fact that the movie confused them so much well, well this is the reason why I have no plans to see it because I've not read the graphic novel I have no plans to read the graphic novel so therefore I'm not going to go to the cinema and watch this because someone says oh it's a great film you know because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten days those people would, would have read the graphic novel um, yeah. but you know I think it'll be chances I I would be wasting my time because I wouldn't have no idea what's going on um, yeah, you know, so that's I think the reason why I won't see it. So therefore, I don't mind being spoiled. Although I do hear there's a lesbian scene in it. There's not. There isn't. I was told well, there was. There, there is right at the beginning. There is a lesbian kiss. Actually, right. I've got to say this. Right at the beginning, there is. Um, you've got. I, I would implore you to watch the opening sequence if you if once it's on YouTube. You know, from the DVD release or something like that. It's um five minutes. It's um. Bob Dylan's song, um, The Times They Are A-Changing. It's um, the entire the song in its entirety, and it's um, basically showing... Watchmen is based in a fictionalised 1980s um, New York, basically. And the whole of the um, opening sequence is um, basically what the world would be like, what the world, you know, is in this timeline. So, for instance, they've got footage of the Kennedy assassination, and the car drives past and you see one of the watchmen then, um, you know, holding a gun, walking away. So obviously yeah. they're implying that they did it. Yeah. And um, you've got, like, 
Andy Warhol doing paintings of the Watchmen and things like that. And there's uh, there's one scene, um, you remember after, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where it's from, to be honest, I'm quite ignorant, but the picture of the sailor kissing the woman after a victory of some sort. I know what you mean. They, they parody it on The Simpsons in one of the very, very early episodes. Uh, that was in Bart the General. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Well, in um, in Watchmen, they're all celebrating, and um, one of the wa- um, women Watchmen um, kisses a woman, and then in the background you see a sailor walk past. So right. it's quite a cheeky nod to that, really. Right. And um, those women then... De- um, you then find out later on in the opening sequence that the women developed a relationship and were later killed. Right. But there is no lesbian scene. Let's clear that up. Okay. Right. That's that's. I think <laughs> that pedelli interest I have in that now. Oh, okay. Well. Um, yeah. Can I, still can, the... I just, can I just point yeah. something out? I'm not as shallow as I make myself out to be. <laughs> I really am not. You know. Yes, he is. I'm really not. I will give something a try, lesbian or not. Carol. <laughs> Okay, um, so we've um, we've established that um, half the cast is perfect. Half the um, characters are perfectly cast. Um, everyone's been talking about um, Jackie O'Haley as Rorschach. Have you heard anything about Rorschach? It's quite hard to get away from it at the moment. No. Rorschach is um, a um, vigilante who, even after um, the vigilantes are outlawed, he still decide. He still roams the streets. He still he's very visceral. He um, He's very black and white in his punishment. If it's either bad or good with him, there's absolutely no compromise. He kills people for information. He hurts people for information. If someone does something bad, he won't take them to jail. He will kill them, and yeah. that's um, and that sort of that theme follows with him right till the end. In which, um, if anyone doesn't want to know what happens, um, stop now because these are major spoilers. You don't mind, do you, James? No, no. No. It turns out the that one of the original Watchmen is behind the whole plan to destroy New York through very um, convoluted means, and um, they all decide that to, in order to stop nuclear holocaust, they have to agree to keep quiet about the whole plan, except for Rorschach, who um, says keep your own secrets, and he walks off obviously to tell the nation, um, and unfortunately he has to be killed right at the end because he won't, you know, he won't compromise. And he, he he even asks for Doctor Manhattan, one of the other. What he even asks for them to kill him so that he doesn't have to go and tell the world. Mm-hmm. Just because, and regardless of whether or not you want to see it, James, it's he's an absolutely fantastic character and absolutely perfectly cast. And it's really wonderful to see such. A, it's really wonderful to see such an accurate and meaningful portrayal of such an important character in the graphic novel and he is arguably the best character as well so it was wonderful to see such a great portrayal of him so uh, so after you read the graphic novel and then watched yeah. the, the, the film mm-hmm. were were you pleased with it overall i was i was overall i was very pleased that um like i said i would have liked a bit more depth and for that reason i really think that it would have worked better as two two-hour films rather than one two-hour 45-minute film um, obviously, maybe for budget reasons, obviously they must have thought about it at some point. So I'm not saying, I'm not in any way saying that they should have done it. I'm just saying it could have worked a lot better if they had done it like that. Yeah. Um, Terry Gilliam, who was um, actually uh, meant to be directing it for a while back in the early um, millennium. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> after after pulling out from it, he did say that he thought it 
thought the only way to do it justice was to do it as a TV miniseries. Mm. So it's um, it's interesting to see what people thought about it. Zack Snyder's he's a big fan of the book, mm. and um, he in fact you know he's he's a fanboy, <laughs> and um, it was. And obviously, he wanted everything to be done absolutely perfectly. There's um, a three and a half hour director's cut coming out on DVD. Whoa! Um, so that that should be very good. It, um, it might tell a bit more of the backstory. But the problem is, the people who didn't read the graphic novel and felt alienated by the film are not going to watch a three and a half hour um, director's cut in order to get more of the backstory. No, no, they're not. It's going to be the same geeks who watched and enjoyed Watchmen and read the graphic novel. Which is a real shame, and I'm I, I'm not I'm not targeting you at this, but I really wish maybe there had been better means to get it out to a more mainstream audience. Mm. I think. And if that meant changing the story slightly, so be it. What kind of expectations did you have going into the film? I had the expectations of a, it. Well, it looks amazing, and we knew that from the trailer, so I had expectations of that. It actually slightly exceeded my expectations while leaving me slightly cold on most fronts, but um, to be honest, it was just wonderful to see, you know, every single scene played out in my favourite medium, mm. and so stylistically as well. Um, the man from Hard Candy, um, Patrick Wilson, who plays um, Dan, Dan, Dan Dreinberg, Night Owl in um, Watchmen, was also very good. Um, it's a, he's a more subtle character, so he didn't get as much recognition as Billy Crudup or Jackie O'Haley for his performance. Um, which I'm not going to say is a shame, but he's certainly not a bad actor in it at all. Excellent. So, um, how many thumbs up would you give it? Um, on my star rating on my website, it's got a 4 out of 5 rating, uh-huh. or 4 stars out of 5. Um, Roger Herbert, who's um, a very, very big film reviewer over in the States, um, his word, you know, his word is basically what goes in the end. Yeah. Um, he gave it four out of four stars, Watchmen, without reading the graphic novel. So it's obviously for some. I might give it a go. What I might do is I might wait for it to come out on DVD and then rent it on my generic DVD rental service. Yeah. Also known as Love Film. Mm hmm. Still haven't sent me anything. Damn really? It. How long has it been now? Don't know. I think I need to fill up my list again. Yeah, I've only got something like thirteen on my list at the moment. Oh, I've got about four. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a more involved review because James is definitely a bigger lover of the film than I. I'm not saying that I hated the film, but you know, I've only really paid attention and watched these films in the last few months, whereas you've or well, you've been in love with these films for years and years haven't you James yeah 28 Days Later is um, definitely definitely in my top 5 films of all time um, it, it does sometimes go to number 1 depending on what kind of mood I'm in but it's a fantastic film and I can watch it anytime, talk about it anytime and I love it uh, I've disappointed James by uh, when I was reviewing 28 Days Later got 4 stars in my review um, and 28 weeks later got five. So you prefer 28 days, uh, 28 weeks over. We've talked about this, but yes, I prefer 28 weeks to 28 days. It's crazy. The other way around. I've got, I've got several reasons for it though. Um, but let's talk about 28 days first, as it's the logical chronology. All right. Um, 28 days later, um, 
when well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about this actually. When when did you first see it and how did you first feel? Um, I saw it when it when it first came out uh, on DVD. Um, I was over at my friend's house, um, had a couple of beers and all that. Yes. And it made me feel sort of quite sort of a bit paranoid. I think really in a way thinking because it was so realistic and the, the virus wasn't sort of quite a realistic thing that I thought you know this could happen. And it, you know, there is something similar to the rage virus, uh, the the Ebola, uh, the Ebola, yeah. Ebola or something like that. What it's called? Ebola, yeah. Ebola virus, which so, is um, scientifically in the film they used they used that, didn't they? Yeah. They said that that's what the rage virus mutated from. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, um, you know, it's quite scary to think you know someone out there could do this and this could happen in Little to Britain. Well, to to certain extents, maybe not exactly that like that well no i believe that you know i think nowadays there would be some decent ways to contain it but it's still quite scary to thought something similar or something to some certain extent could actually happen yeah um but i loved it from day one from watching it and this is truly magnificent film wonderful script um brilliant production on it the whatever genius thought of using the handheld cameras mm. instead of you know whatever the, what, what do they use in film usually um oh I I know it but I don't know it right now um, <laughs> but you're on the spot here <laughs> no I'm sorry um, I, I can't think but I know in 28 days later you use um, DV cameras digital video cameras mm. which obviously gave, gave that sort of grainy urban effect which I believe worked really well in sort of like the urban scenes mm-hmm. um but when it came to maybe a couple of like the interior scenes and things like that, I think they should have shot it on maybe a different film. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it did feel slightly lacking stylistically in the second half. But the first, for when Jim wakes up and mm-hmm. goes through London. Well, that's just iconic, isn't it? That is an unbelievable scene. The music was perfect. The, the setting was perfect. The, the film, the photography was perfect. Everything was perfect. But... The whole thing wasn't perfect because there's a couple of uh, couple of mistakes in it. So I, I don't know if I should mention it or not because it might spoil it for you. I've seen it. The, the little the, the man in the background with the uh, yeah yeah the trash man yeah yeah. There's also a really glaring one later in the film as well, which which uh, is that? It's the cameraman. Um, oh, it's after um, Brendan Gleeson's uh, character um, gets shot. Yeah, I can't think of his character. Frank gets gets yeah. killed. The camera pans out, and you can see in the right-hand corner there's a guy with a camera, and he's there for about three or four seconds. And I watch it, I'm thinking, "No, what are you doing?" <laughs> um, but um, it's actually um, going on IMDb. There's lots of nice stories from um, the making of that film. Mm. Um, you've obviously seen them all. I'll just um, say a couple. Um, there's the woman who, um, in a village nearby, was walking. She was jogging, wasn't she? And she came across the mass grave that they use, and she called the police. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think there's so many nice little stories in that. Like, um, yeah. when they were filming the London scenes as well, they implied they uh, employed pretty girls to hold up the traffic to talk yeah. to like the white van men. Oh, darling, how you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Danny um, Boyle's daughter was on yeah, them, wasn't she? Yeah, one of them was Danny Boyle's daughter, um, which I thought was nice. Um, who was later responsible for helping cast Dev Patel in Slumdog Millionaire. Really? Yep. I did not know that. 
Did, did you learn that on DevFest? Did you? No, I didn't. DevFest uh, was hilarious. I think they knew. I think they made that to be hilarious, to be honest. Yeah, well, they did say in the trailer, we know this is blatant bandwagoning. Yeah. But... For anyone who doesn't know, DevFest, they showed three episodes of skins, um, which Dev Patel was in for two series. Not even his episodes, just episodes with him in. <laughs> Um, so it was just complete and, and a flimsy 45 minute documentary in Slumdog Millionaire so it was very funny to watch Deathfest yeah but um, back to 28 Days um, yeah no I, I very very much enjoyed it it's, um, it's good there's um, I don't know even for a 2002 film there's certain elements of it that do feel slightly old fashioned and do feel slightly silly when you watch them back now and um, I really don't mean to you know crap on a film that you love James but there's mm. You know, there's there's shortcomings in every film, and as much, I very much enjoyed it. And I, I'm not a big fan of horror at all. I'm a complete scaredy cat. So for something to encapsulate and impress me as much so it doesn't haunt me is very very rare. And the fact that is, the fact is that it was such a good film that the scary aspect of it didn't really matter to me as much as the fact that I was really enjoying myself. Yeah, I think what's good about the film is that it doesn't really have sort of like a, uh, it doesn't go for like the the, the shock sort of scary you yeah. know where it makes people jump i think it's that's my criticism i think with the second uh, with 28 weeks later over 28 days um it was sort of really it kind of made you feel a bit paranoid and a bit on the edge of the seat all the time yeah that even when they weren't dealing with like the scary scenes you know yeah you still felt a bit uneasy you know with the soldiers and you know especially during the rape scene as well well the attempted rape scene it was yeah it was quite a, quite unsettling, and it did leave you on the edge of the seat. What a fantastic cast as well! It just has to be said. I, unbelievable, you know. Think now that there, but when yeah. when that film was made, they were nobodies apart from Christopher Eccleston, Killian Murphy, Brendan Gleeson. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> Doc, Doctor Who, to be honest, yeah. being in that is uh, awesome. I'm also throwing this out there: Christopher Eccleston was a better Doctor Who than David Tennant. Yeah, I agree. He, he was a lot more badass. Yeah. Um, uh, say that though, uh, 28 Days Late for me does have a couple of flaws. Uh, I like Hannah's character, but I don't like the actress who played Hannah. I get what you mean. Um, it's, it's, I don't like her. her voice. Is really I don't know what accent that is. Unless <laughs> you're trying I... to put on a Cockney accent and it's yeah. just not working. I just, uh, there was just something that sort of grated with me, which was um, when Jim kills the so- um, kills the um, soldier who's attacking. I can't remember her name. The Selena. Other, yeah, Selena, and he puts his thumbs into his eyes. And it's just one of those things where you, you're not quite sure why. Why is he doing that? Well, it, it's just it's basically to move the plot forward, and you think he's infected for a few seconds, isn't it? I think that's really what it is. But again, yeah. that has sort of that thumbs in the eye thing I think really sort of became the series is like trademark if you like because it featured a lot in the second yeah. part as well it's like it's like a, a capture which captures the essence of the rage virus I think really yeah. thumbs in the eyes but mm-hmm. um, but yeah a brilliant film 28 days later and I actually I, I'm going to admit something here my um, ignorance shining through um, <laughs> I originally watched it and just thought Huh. Killian Murphy puts on a good Irish accent. <laughs> oh dear! I thought he, I'm sorry. I thought he was American. He appears in too many American films. He um he actually started filming that film um with a British accent. 
really? they changed it, I think, about a third of the way through and dubbed over the, the scenes with his British accent. Sorry, not British accent, English accent. They should have given him well, they should have given him the British accent and kept Brendan Gleeson with his wonderful Irish one. Yeah. But Brendan Gleeson's amazing in that film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely he's, oh, he's, just, he's, a, he's a very underrated actor. Yeah, very. He's he's fantastic. I think, apart from the the characters, uh, the actress who played Hannah, yeah. Megan, someone I think. Fantastic um, performances all round. Yeah, every single one was brilliant. Um, and did you capture the Simpsons reference in the film as well? No, I'm sorry, I I I, I just can't find it. Please tell me. Um, in the shot where. Um, Jim and Sergeant Farrell are chained to the radiators. Yeah. Um, the camera pans out. If you listen carefully, mm-hmm. um, Farrell says something like, um, um, he recites the uh, women and semen don't mix line. All right. From there. And he said, that's my favourite line in The Simpsons. And that's basically what's happening now. Yeah. He's got, everyone's trapped in Britain and they're all over the sea yeah. watching the fucking Simpsons. <laughs> I was like, yeah! <laughs> my two loves have come together. Zombies and The Simpsons. Are you a but, fan of other zombie films then? Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got the classic Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. which is, I think everyone should see at one point in their lives. It's not a scary film. And you very much enjoyed Dead Set? Dead Set was fantastic and was terribly, terribly criticised, which they shouldn't be. It was yeah. fantastic. Um, I've already been on that anyway. Um, yeah. Obviously, Shaun of the Dead. Another one of my all-time favourites, um, Planet Terror as well, which I think everyone should see. See, um, especially if you're a Lost fan, because Naveen Andrews is in it. Oh yeah, and how about um, oh what's his name? That guy, that guy. That guy, what guy? Um, Harold Pen- Perrin- Perino, um, turning up in 28 weeks later. Michael. Oh yeah, he's the uh, the pilot, isn't he? The helicopter yeah. pilot. Yeah. I. Oh god, yeah. Just shows how long ago I watched that film. <laughs> Christ, that is yeah. for the books. Obviously that's, obviously, that's where he was when uh, of season three of the, uh, Lost. Yeah, that's obviously where he was filming that. Yeah. Oh, it all ties together. Should we go on to twenty-eight weeks then? Um, yeah, go on then. Okay, um, twenty-eight weeks—a um, better film for me, just for several reasons. First of all. It has it's it's a very brave film, and what I mean by that is, it has some very well it has unconventional means of moving its story along. It has the most shocking beginning, middle, and end to any film I've ever seen. The beginning, um, I'm I'm going to completely spoil this film, but I don't care because we've both seen it. It's more a discussion than a film review. But the beginning scene when he leaves his wife, because he knows that there's no way he's going to save her, so he decides to leave her in the hands of the infected and save himself. Do you think he did the right thing? Yes. I do too. He could do nothing about it. No. I think. He, though he, he was going to be absolutely no help. It, it was completely futile. It was her fault for going back for the child. She should have left him. Um, and in, in that instance, he was completely right to leave. I think. Yeah. It was not right of him to lie to his children. Whoa, well. Well, I, I, I don't know. I just... They do set him up, but well, the thing is, that's what he's very human, isn't he? I mean, that's what most of us would have done, no matter how much we would like to argue against it. Yeah. When you're in that situation, unfortunately, 
it, 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 it's, it's sad to say, but it is what most of us would do. We would leave someone to save ourselves. Yeah, I think definitely. And um, that, you know, just watching that from the beginning, you, I just thought, well, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be absolutely, this isn't going to hold back at all. Can I just <laughs> stop, just stop me yeah. there while I remember? There was a Hot Fuzz reference in the intro to that. Mm-hmm. The little boy when he says Sanford, that was a reference to Hot Fuzz. Was because, it? Yeah, because in Shaun of the Dead, they wrote a, uh, there was a reference to 28 Days Later. Yeah, there was, wasn't there? Yeah, so basically it was sort of a bit like payback, really. Mm-hmm. So as... Um, yeah, my notion of um, how brave this film was was completely justified to me in the right in the middle of the film when they infect the main character. Yeah, that had a protagonist sort of turns mm. to me. I think I, that I, I must admit that was sort of quite brave as well. Because I think yeah. it would have got a bit of a negative reaction if they would have handled it a bit differently. But yeah, uh, but what annoyed me about that though is how Robert Carlyle's character sort of still kind of gained that intelligence he kept that intelligence of really being a full human being if that makes sense like um like in the original film the infected don't seem to be as sort of like terribly uh, bright people or as sneaky and as quiet as he or seemed to be as quiet, but he did seem like really intelligent like almost superhuman he really the fact that he manages to hide yeah because he he hides in the tunnel basically doesn't he for a while yeah, uh, plus, you know, he escaped the firebombing, mm-hmm. which killed quite a lot of the people. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he didn't attack... Um... What's the kid, little kid called? Oh, God. I don't know. When when my friends and I watched it, we all we could see was just the guy from Keen, but 20 years younger. <laughs> Did you think he was a girl at any point? No. I watched. I went through that whole film thinking he was a girl until my friend told me at the end. He was like, "Wait, he, that was a guy? That was a girl?" Um, I can't think of his name, but um, but that bit where he's uh, where he sees his dad over yeah. the road um, and he doesn't sort of attack him. Then that's kind of so. I don't like how really sort of that character was. No, I know what you mean. You know, it, that was a bit silly. I but, think, well, you know, I, I don't think there would have been anything detrimental to the film for after infecting him, having him disappear. Yeah, I see what you mean. And just using, you know, random infecteds for the rest of the scenes in which he causes something. I think what I like more about 28 Days Later over 28 Weeks Later, I'm not knocking 28 Weeks Later because no, it is, no. I think, more action-packed. Yeah, uh, 28 days later, um, I think it does remind me a lot of like like the American action films. Like, mm. It's always constantly going. It doesn't really yeah. give that time for the plot. But then again, no, it's still managed to get a decent plot in. You know mm. how the virus has spread and things like that. In um, like I was saying, I'm not knocking 28 weeks later. I'm not yeah. saying it's a rubbish film. I think it's an absolutely fantastic film. Just not as good as 28 Days. Um, it's a shame that Danny Boyle didn't get as much input as he would have wanted. No, but I think the director whose name I can't pronounce, and I won't have a go. Um, it, was, a, it was very, very good. He did a very good job. And oh yeah, also I've just got to say, the very the ending scene of the infected running through Paris. Yeah. That could not. Have, that could not. Have, they could have not have thought of a better ending if they tried. They've left it open, really. They could have like said, "That's it. The films of series are over." You think, mm-hmm. no, and you got to interpret yourself, or well, there is going to be a twenty-eight. 
months later. So. Danny Boyle said that he's very interested, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, like the first film, though, the second film has many errors, including the, the big Wembley Stadium error. Yeah. That, that annoys <laughs> me on level so many times. Oh. Why couldn't they just have chosen somewhere else? Oh, they could have just chosen anywhere. I mean, Hyde Park, or somewhere <coughs> yeah. like that. But they had to choose Wembley Stadium. And... What we're referring to, of course, is the fact that 28 Days Later is set in 2002. Mm-hmm. 28 Weeks Later is set just six months after that, and suddenly Wembley Stadium's up. Yeah, uh, by then it was, what, still a hole in the ground? Yeah. Probably. Um, and for those who have got an eagle eye, you can actually see the interior shots were the Millennium Stadium at Cardiff. Not Wembley. Really? Yeah. Well, what was the point of doing it then? I don't know. <laughs> it, it just baffles me, to be honest. But, wow. um, that, that's actually really quite weird. I don't understand what I've done there. If the, if the stadium was unfinished at the time, keep it unfinished. Yeah, well, I, you would have thought that maybe they wrote it in because they got special permission to film inside there or something like that. They're both great films. They're both great films. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, no, fantastic films, both of them. Yes. Um, well recommended. Uh, any idea what you're going to be reviewing for the next one? Um, I don't know what I'm going to be seeing. I, I'm going to be I'm going to see Vem, Lesbian Vampire Clans tomorrow, but I'm not sure I really want to waste my I, time reviewing that. Uh, next Wednesday, because yes. I think it's next Wednesday, uh, I'm using an Orange Wednesday on to go see... Um, the boat that rocked. The boat that rocked. That might be mine, or I might go and see Knowing, and because it's going to be so awful, I might have a Nicolas Cage week because I've been dying to get a Wicker Man review out for quite some time. I tell you what, I'll go see The Boat That Rocked. I'll review that one for you. Okay. Alright, sounds good. And right. in a couple of weeks' time, everybody, I'll have a Nicolas Cage bumper edition with Knowing and The Wicker Man. Hey. Good old Nicolas Cage. Ugh. <laughs>